The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by Enzymedica with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guests illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Hello, and welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, a conversation of hope for Tuesday, July 6, 2010. I'm Terry Aranga, joined by this week's returning co-host, Kristen Selby-Gonzalez, Director of Autism Education for Enzymedica. We're here with Judy Converse, a licensed registered dietitian specializing in pediatric nutrition for learning and developmentally disabled children. Her new book is Special Needs, Kids Eat Right?, Strategies to Help Kids on the Autism Spectrum Focus, Learn, and Thrive. And watch out for her upcoming book, Special Needs Kids Go Farm, that's P-H-A-R-M, Farm Free, Nutrition-Focused Tools to Help Minimize Meds and Maximize Health and Well-Being. Check out her website, www.nutritioncare.net. Our topic today is the straight poop. And for those of you who know me, you're probably thinking to yourselves, Surely Kristen put her up to this, and indeed you would be correct. So I might as well slap a parental advisory on this episode right now. So hide the youngins, because the poop's about to hit the fan. Welcome, ladies. (laughs) Thank you, Terry. (laughs) Thank you. Well, during the flow of today's show, we're going to talk about gastrointestinal health, the digestive system, microbial bugs, and gas. But first... Kristen wanted to open the lid to the show with some moving stories. Kristen, what would you like to start with? Oh, gosh, Terry, this had been the funniest opening I think I've ever heard you do. (laughs) Um, I wanted to talk about poop. I mean, that's what we talk about all the time. We talk about this um, with all of our friends. We talk about it at mealtime. We talk about it on the phone. We get excited when our kids go. So this is, like, not news to anybody who's in our community. This is actually an exciting topic, and... um, uh, one thing that's been really exciting before we jump right into it, um, basically we've been trying to potty train Jackson. And if, uh, I know less people don't know, my son, he's eight years old, he's not potty trained. And so this has been a very exciting time around our house because he's been pooping and peeing in the potty, which is huge. And I went on this whole adventure of trying to figure out how to help him and you know, we buy all the things that everybody else buys, you know, the Scotty Potty doll and the Peter Potty and the Philippi thingabobbery thing you spend 20 bucks on and all the books and the DVDs. And our kids, you know, they're going to do it when they want to. Well, basically, um, he started peeing, and then I said one day, I thought, well, gosh, maybe I'll sit him on the potty. Well, then he sat on there, nothing happened. Well, then about uh, 2 o'clock in the morning, he wakes up. He wants to go potty. So I take him in to go pee. I have him sit down on the potty, and um, 
after he's already peed, he's sitting down thinking, you know, maybe he'll try to poop. I didn't really think he was going to do it. So I'm just sitting kind of like, you know, on the ground next to him. And as he's, as he's looking at me, his face starts to turn a little bit red. And I think, oh, my gosh, he's going to go poop. This is great. And then all of a sudden, pee hits my face, like just right on my cheek, on my eye. He's like literally peeing at the same time as he's pooping. But I don't want to freak him out because this is like the first time this kid's ever pooped on the toilet. So I'm like cheering. I'm like, this is so great. And he pees again. And now I'm trying to like dodge the pee. So it's like getting on my pajamas, it's getting in my hair. But you have to understand, he's pooping on the toilet. So he's getting all excited. He's cheering. I'm cheering. At the end, you know, we had pee on the floor, but we had poop in the toilet. So that was the best poop story that I could ever imagine have happened to me, and I've had many of them, but that by far is my favorite. Very, very exciting. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so it was definitely worth the pee all over, um, and um, but, you know, really fun. So um, I thought I'd start with my own story. So now before we start reading, I don't know if many people know, what we did was we asked you guys to send in your funniest or best or you know, whatever you thought was your coolest poop stories. And uh, we definitely got a handful. And whoever's we read today, we'll be sending you guys uh, a nice little goodie from um, Enzymedica, our new Digest Spectrum um, enzyme, and also a DVD. So very excited for those we're going to read today. And uh, Kristen will be wearing clean clothes for that DVD. <laughs> I believe it's the Let's Go Shopping DVD. Yes, I will be wearing clean clothes. There's, no, there's nothing poopy about it. <laughs> And um, and then, Terry, did you want to say um, your story first, or do you want me to just jump in, and then you want to do that after? Or how do you sure. want to do that? Sure, I have one about about wearing clean clothes. Well, <laughs> my son was um, my son was always liking to take his clothes out, clothes off, and um, I was uh, I would come, you know, find some surprises. So I was wondering how can he get it places I can't even reach to clean. So uh, necessity is the mother of invention, telescoping uh, mops where you're, you know, mopping the ceiling. You know, we all do that. Um, but one day, and Ed has a story too. Ed had a story. He walked into the kitchen and, you know, just doing your regular kitchen things and you don't think to, to look for poop in the kitchen and uh, he noticed uh, we have a little tabletop refrigerator, one of those mini refrigerators, and he noticed that on the t- table uh, in front of the refrigerator there was some poop. You know, he didn't think to look there, but apparently uh, my son, having previously liked to take off his clothes, left a, a, a gift there, and it was perfectly formed. So this is another one of those... Mixed blessings. Are you aghast at where it is, or are you just jumping up and down in elation because it's perfectly formed? Uh, are you glad it's the first poop on the potty, or are you upset that there's pee flowing down your face? So um, there's a, another uh, ironic story there. So necessity was the mother of invention, and my husband uh, invented something called the super suit system. Remember, it's not a suit, it's a system, and this suit system prevents uh, messes, prevents fecal smearing, and uh, you can just email me at trang at autism1.org for more details. These will be going on 
sale soon, and Kristen now I'm blushing, so it's your turn. <laughs> and by the way, I've seen these suits, and aren't they, they're gonna, are they going to come in like other colors and different things too? Conceivably, yeah. yeah. So it's a definitely a system, and since you've had that system, you haven't had any more of those, um, I guess, uh, morning breakfast surprises. As as long as you wear the system, yep. It's, it's <laughs> Very not cool. a suit, it's a system. <laughs> and it's comfortable and can be customized and trendy and <laughs> I I leave it to you and Ed to make it customized and trendy for our community. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am excited. I think it's really neat for parents to hear us talk about our own lives, let them know that we're they're not alone. You know, we're all talking about poop. We're all we're all thinking about it. We're thinking about the form poops, and uh, and then some of your guys' stories were so funny, and then some of them were just so um, sweet. And so I'm gonna choose. I chose one to read by a woman named Margaret Margaret Azuz. And if I mispronounce your name, I totally apologize. But um, her story I thought was really touching, so I thought I'd start off with hers. She says, "I'm a mom of two kids." One has autism and the other doesn't. However, they are both still in diapers, and at the time, neither one of them had um, learned to speak. It was hectic, a nonstop afternoon. Both kids had been running circles around me for the greater part of the day. Man, am I going to sleep good tonight, I thought, as they whizzed past me. I sniffed as the air as they slid by. I thought, oh, no, it's a double pooper. I just know it. I cringed and moaned, ugh. And then I whimpered, giving my best Meg, my best Meg Ryan impersonation. And sure enough, both kids were fully loaded. Ugh, who to grab first? The little one shot by me quick, um, but just not quick enough, because I scooped her up and carried her off and cleaned her up. I was done in second flat. Next, I shouted as my daughter ran back to the room. After I did that, I carried away a neatly wrapped bundle of poop and went into the next room. There, my little guy was now patiently biding his time while comfortably stretching out across his floor mat. As he freshly was pampered, he scampered across the floor and collected a toy. I smiled at the comfort he took and the predictability of the diaper-changing routine, but I also smiled at the elegant cuteness of his boyish bounciness. I then packaged up another bundle of poop. I love you, I called out to him nonchalantly as I began to make my exit with two, two, two dirty diapers cupped in each hand. I love you too, he responded. And as a matter of fact, that was um, the first time he ever spoke to me. He responded, and he just responded. I was dumbstruck. It was the first time I love you had ever he'd ever said that to me, and it was beyond a doubt the most um, amazing thing that will be in my mind forever. Of course, this is greatly due in part to the sheer fact that I was carrying away two steamy piles of poop. <laughs> and so that was by Margaret Azuz, and uh, so we definitely will be sending her a bottle of uh, our new digestive uh, uh, enzyme called Digest Spectrum and our new DVD, Let's Go Shopping. So uh, super excited. I thought that story was so sweet because she was able to find something really amazing and wonderful in poop. <laughs> that is That is very touching. Judy, have you had anything like that happen to you? Oh my gosh, I hear, you know, I hear stories from parents all week long in practice and um my son thinks I'm disgusting because if I talk about poop too much, if I say anything about my work day, there's always something about that in it. But I think the stories you guys have described are so interesting because as a lot of parents of kids on the spectrum will probably tell you when their kids have had a bowel movement is when they feel best and when they do things like talk and function better. So 
So many, many of the kids in my caseload who can't do that, who can't have normal bowel movements, they feel pretty miserable. And it isn't until we get their bowel movements happening daily and more normally that they, they start to talk and they start to feel better and function better. And it, it's amazing that that boy, that was the first thing he, he said. And it's just really striking for me that it's right after he's had a bowel movement. Um, it's just amazing. And I think the thing that really after 11-plus years doing this in practice that I, have, I still remain surprised by is the stories parents bring in from their from their docs, who, who, the pediatricians, who tell them this is okay, it's normal, it's okay that your child has really crazy poop or really unhealthy poop or really, un, really constipated. You know, it, you know what, it, it is not okay. It's not okay, it's not healthy. And I think that's what amazes me the most is the stories parents share with me about what they're dealing with. And it's still right, they're not alone. But that they're also kind of told this is okay by the medical community when it, it really isn't. Yeah, it's amazing what they'll, it's amazing and pitiful what uh, mainstream pediatricians have told parents is normal and, and first time parents especially don't know that they're not being given the real deal. But oh, the stools will be solid when he starts to eat solid food. Oh, the stools will be normal when he hits junior high. Oh, it'll be normal when he starts to drink beer. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay, and we'll pick up on this when we come back from break at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. The Autism Hope Alliance is dedicated to the recovery of children and adults from autism. The goal of this nonprofit organization is to ignite hope for families facing the diagnosis through education and funding to promote progress today. Diet modification, biomedical intervention, and educational therapy have been shown to be successful tools on the path to recovery. Through these efforts, we believe hope will replace hopelessness. Recovery for our children is a reality. For more information, go to AutismHopeAlliance.org. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. 
The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Judy Converse, licensed registered dietitian, and Kristen Selby Gonzalez co-hosting today. And before the break, Judy, you were talking about how that it was amazing. You always hear how children are able to function better after their uh, bowel movement issues are cleared up. And do you think that that's a function of their feeling better or their detoxing, you know, getting things out because then they're excreting properly? Or do you think it's because when the digestive system is working better, the nutrients are able to make it up to the brain or some combination of all of these? Yeah, I think it's kind of all of the above, Terry. And I'd have to say, who doesn't function better? I mean, I have to mention how I ended up doing what I do. I was a dietitian before I got into the whole autism community thing. And it was my own newborn son having GI issues that blew my mind. And what this was in 1996, 1997. His issues were egregious, and I could not get anybody to make note of it. And at one point, he had not, he was pretty little, and he had not had a bowel movement in 12 days. I think he was about four months old. And I was astounded that nobody, I called the doctor. I wondered, okay, what do we do? We, were, we had been trying all kinds of things with his feeding. And the guy told me, it's okay, it's just a comfort issue. And I knew that was wrong based on my training. Um, I wondered, what do you have to do to a baby <laughs> to get the doctor's attention? And of course, who would feel like they could think straight if they'd had no bowel movement for 12 days? And I, I have children in my caseload who come in who have not had normal bowel movements or any bowel movement for even longer, much longer. They have, I have a six-year-old in my practice who's had three full impactions. He's had to go into the hospital to have them cleared. I mean, the cost of this is staggering. And it's, a, it's incredible to me that the, the medical community keeps saying it's okay. So, yes, of course nutrients are not going to reach the brain. The brain isn't going to be able to function normally. Children will not be able to grow typically. I've had uh, one child in my practice who was nonverbal, spoke his first words once he finished an antifungal therapy, which I'm sure a lot of listeners have heard a lot. Um, it, it's, of course, there's a gut-brain connection. And, you know, if, if there weren't, then why do we have um, nutrition science in practice at all? I mean, I have degrees from two different universities. I'm a licensed registered dietitian, all based on, yeah, we have a gut-brain connection and our brains don't work right if it's not working right. So um, absolutely. And I think you, you've got it, Terry. It's all of the above. The toxins are being cleared. The nutrients are being absorbed. Everything's working normally. And when it's happening during infancy and toddlerhood, when the brain is rapidly developing, it is absolutely critical. And I was taught that in my training as well, that age zero to three, this is when it's critical for the brain. 
That's why the federal government has paid for an early intervention program for 30 or 40 years. I mean, this isn't new. This isn't novel. It's very basic science. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the doctor said it was just a comfort issue. You know, right. When I have GI uh, issues, <laughs> I feel like sticking a fork in my head. Yes, it's a comfort <laughs> issue, and I'll say, you know, I know just how the kids feel. How could any child function in school with right. this kind of discomfort? And I went to a gastroenterologist, and he recommended that I go get something out of the drugstore, and you know what I did? I changed my diet. I drink green juice, and you know what? I go potty. Right. You feel better, I'm sure. Yeah. Kristen, do you know what this is like? I absolutely do because I used to have severe digestive issues um, pretty much my whole life up until a couple years ago. And it's amazing to me when somebody tells me, you know, for especially for our kids that, you know, I remember them telling me that Jackson was holding his poop on purpose. Right. I hear that a lot. Parents are usually blamed for these things, and I'm glad you mentioned that, Kristen, because did you think that was true? Oh, no. I, You know, I, I'm no longer married, but when I was married, that was the one time I was very proud of my ex-husband because he really wanted to hurt the gastroenterologist <laughs> yeah. doctor because it was like, here we go in. We go into this, like, you know, we were on this waiting list for two months to go into this, you know, um, huge children's hospital that everybody would, like, fly across the country to go to in California. And here we're thinking we're going to see this top specialist. We're so excited to finally get some answers. And they literally look at us and say, your child's autistic and he's holding his poop on purpose. And we're looking at him like, you are insane. There is no way that this two-and-a-half-year-old is doing this on purpose. He's in pain. He can't speak. And that's another thing. Our kids can't speak. And yet imagine when, you know, Terry and I were just talking about how we felt. When when we're in pain and, you know, regardless if you're in stomach pain, you have the flu, you have a migraine, whatever's going on, you know, we're lucky enough that we can speak. And tell people, this hurts, this is how I'm feeling. Our kids can't do that, so no wonder that they do things like bang their head or flap their hands or walk on their toes or, you know, do something that looks out of the normal for, you know, typical people because they're trying to communicate to us something is wrong. And I, I, you know, I, I hear it too many times that these kids are holding their poop, and if you're being told that, find a new doctor immediately would be my suggestion. Yeah, and, you know, Kristen, too, when I'm having a situation like I just described before, I can't tolerate noises. Yeah. Yeah. It's or lights. Sometimes even the bright lights give you, like, when you're feeling, like, out of whack and your stomach's hurting or you're having digestive issues, have you ever noticed when you go outside the bright light actually intensifies the headache? Mm. Yeah, it's That's so interesting. Yeah, I, and I think, you know, what's fascinating to me, too, is my practice is all kinds of kids. It's mostly kids with developmental delays, but I do see kids who have Crohn's disease or celiac disease, you wouldn't believe the difference in the response to these children. I, I have to push this a little. I, my, I meet kids from all over the country, and they, it's no different. I haven't encountered it to be any different in other major children's hospitals. Kristen, what you're describing, I hear it comes from all over the country. And... Um, on the few occasions that I meet really neurotypical kids who have a disease like celiac or Crohn's, they're treated so wonderfully by the GI community that, you know, I had one parent come in and say, oh, we were told my child has probably been in a lot of pain for a long time and they were very kind. And I thought I couldn't help but think, 
all these nonverbal children with autism who can't speak, who who aren't easy to be around, and they're treated very differently by the GI community, which is really, really tough um, for me as a dietitian, having been trained to work with GI docs and respect them. I, I really work to advocate for these kids. So it, it's just exactly the, the opposite of what they're saying. It's not that um, they they have the GI problems as a res, uh, result of not being able to speak. It's the other way. They can't speak because of the GI problems. Did I get that right? <laughs> Interesting. So true. Did that make sense? <laughs> Did I really say that? Okay. Oh, well. Uh, on to the next uh, story that was sent in by Karen Borden, and she says, uh, it's not really a story, but I coined a new word. <laughs> okay, time to blush. Situation, noun. <laughs> a situation where one finds a child's poop in any place other than the bathroom. Used in sentences. This day has been one bad situation after another. <laughs> BP's got nothing on this situation. Honey, I'm home. Any situations today? Alrighty then, and ladies to you. I love it. I laughed so hard when I first read that. That's great. I think all of us will be saying that for the rest of the day. I think that should be the key word today, just not in front of your kids, okay? But, you know, I, I never realized there were dust bunnies under this desk here. My golly, look at that. Hmm. I don't know. Is that a situation? <laughs> okay, next story. And this one is from Mrs. Jen Jackson. Let's see. I never quite understood how a child with sensory issues towards soft foods would, who would literally gag when he would just touch mashed potatoes, was so amazed with playing in his poop. Well, we were on our way out the door to the store, and I go into his room, and he had pooped and then turned it into an art project. Very quickly and efficiently, because I got to be quite a pro at this, I cleaned him and the room, disinfected, and properly disposed of everything. Happily, we went out the door to the store. As we were strolling the aisles, I looked down at my precious little boy and smiled, feeling so much love. He turned his beautiful head, only to expose a big hunk of poop that was stuck on his ear. Oh, my God. (laughs) I think we could all relate to moments like that. (laughs) All right. Well, Judy, any comments? Well, yeah, that... I think that's a mystery. What is it with that exactly? I've seen that in other kids. Um, I once had a boy in my practice who was a high school age boy. He was, I guess I'd say, pretty high functioning on the spectrum, but he had this smearing thing where he would he would do this in his bedroom and smear the walls with feces. And he was being treated psychiatrically for that, like with psych meds. And when we began the nutrition piece and got his bowel function to normalize, that that stopped abruptly. And this is something, I mean, for years the parents had had to scrub the walls in the room. It was terrible. It was horrible for the family. Um, no, these are not just psychiatric behavior issues. There's obviously a connection here. So um, it, it's it, it's great to laugh about it, but when your child's 15 and still doing it, it isn't so funny, you know. Right. So, 
Sonia Hintz has written about this, and she's a nurse, and it's physiological. There are physiological reasons for this that can be remedied. The gastrointestinal issues can be um, improved and or, you know, recovered, remedied. And But then you might need some behavioral therapy if the behavior has been habituated as a result of having the physiological problems for so long. Exactly. So yeah. biomed and um, educational behavioral therapy make a great team. Hey, I figured out what I was trying to express before. If you take your child who has autism to a doctor, they blame everything on the autism, okay? They, oh, you know, diarrhea, that's just part of autism instead of respecting the child as a patient, when really it's the other way around. It's the physiological issues like the gut problems that are creating the downstream symptoms that end up getting labeled as autism. Is that better, Judy? I think you got it. I would absolutely. Okay. We'll be right back at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. The Autism Hope Alliance is dedicated to the recovery of children and adults from autism. The goal of this nonprofit organization is to ignite hope for families facing the diagnosis through education and funding to promote progress today. Diet modification, biomedical intervention, and educational therapy have been shown to be successful tools on the path to recovery. Through these efforts, we believe hope will replace hopelessness. Recovery for our children is a reality. For more information, go to AutismHopeAlliance.org. Mark your calendar and set an alarm so you do not miss the highly acclaimed talk show, Holistic Living with Tina Marie and Todd Allen. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central, and 10 a.m. Pacific for inspirational, oftentimes edgy discussions on all that life brings our way with celebrity guests, world-famous authors, and everyday people dedicated to sharing positive, uplifting messages. Tina Marie and Todd Allen bring you the very best in talk radio discussions, guaranteed to make you smile. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. 
We're back with Kristen Selby Gonzalez, Director of Autism Education for Enzymedica, and Judy Converse, a licensed registered dietitian whose uh, website address is www.nutritioncare.net, and her new book is Special Needs Kids Eat Right, Strategies to Help Kids on the Autism Spectrum Focus, Learn, and thrive. And for those of you who didn't get to hear the first part of this program, there was a bit of technical difficulty. Uh, just a reminder that this program is archived throughout the week, so please uh, rejoin us there to hear the program in its entirety. Kristen, during the break, you were talking about a uh, really astute observation you had about your own son's life. Yes. Uh, well, you know, we were here. We we're talking about poop, and we're talking about you know. Um, you know, basically all these digestive issues. And the one thing we really realized with Jackson is that for over five years he had diarrhea. I mean, it really looked like you took brown water and poured it out of him. And, you know, it really was. It was not fun. It was, you know, you knew he was in pain, and we did everything we could think of with diets and, you know, all the supplements and if you know me, you know my background, and I, I really was religious about everything we did. And basically, finally, within I, just probably in December of this last year, we started doing you know homeopathic stuff, and we started adding some other things, and he finally was able to have that solid bowel movement. And so, think about it. We're now we're now just the beginning of July, so by the end of June, so it took almost you know what is that six months for him to really feel good about having bowel movements. And now he's finally, you know, excited about going, you know, pee and poop on the body. And that I think people really overlook when they're looking at their kids going, why aren't they potty trained? They're 12 years old. Why aren't they potty trained, you know? Well, it might be because of their digestive issues. So if we don't heal that gut first and really look at what's going on, you know, from the inside and before we wanted to get it out, um, I, I think that that's a huge key to potty training. I think it's a huge key to our kids getting better and thriving. Another thing we talked about um, during break was I can't tell you how many times parents come up to me and will say, oh, you know, gosh, you're so lucky that your child's as young as they are because when my kid was young, they didn't have biomedical. They didn't know about diet. My kid's 16, 20, you know, 30, uh, 12, 15, whatever the age is. And that doesn't mean we don't have to start now because we do know about it today. So I really want to encourage those people, if you have an older child, look at what we know today because we're constantly growing and we're constantly learning. That's a great observation, Kristen. And, you know, as I as I told you before, um, even as the parent, you know, I'm 20, 30, 40, whatever, however many years old, and I've just recently significantly improved my diet, and that created a significant improvement in digestive issues. Aunt Judy? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I have youngsters in my practice up to age 24. I mean, it's nutrition care for children, but I work with kids literally zero preemies on up to very young adults and they of course they respond to having these GI pieces treated and there's there's reliably a behavior link. I um a child in my practice who's fourteen was on an excellent biomed protocol for years, a uh, very careful diet, but he was not growing. He was about to get a feeding tube and he broke helmets. He had so much GI pain. Um, he'd bang his head. We There were a couple layers that had just been overlooked, and he thrived. He gained almost 30 pounds in six months after two years of not growing at all. Um, 
in in this case, we were working with his his mainstream GI provider, and it, luckily it was a happy ending. You know, he avoided the feeding tube. He was just a happier guy again. He could function. He could go back to school. But to leave this in the realm of oh, it's just autism to have these issues is is so tragic. It's so costly in terms of quality of life and just in terms of medical care. I had another boy who um, went in for cleaning out of an impaction with his GI team who'd done this before for him, and his gut was so leaky and so injured and no one had assessed that that he almost slipped into a coma on the Miralax strip that he was placed on. And it, it was just almost an incredible tragedy. So I, I can't stress enough, it's so true, it doesn't matter how old. It, I've even worked with some adults. There, it's worth it. It's so important to help that, that piece come back online. And even if you don't think there are GI issues, go get them assessed with somebody who can really look at that for you. You might have to step outside the mainstream GI community, but it's worth it. Yeah, my, one of my favorite stories, um, ladies, is the story of a boy, an adolescent, who's halfway across the world uh, in a foreign country and for about, 13 years he'd been in distress, never smiling, never laughing, never hugging his parents. He bit through to his, his hand to the bone. Oh. oh. They finally, um, they, they took him to an ER in that country, and the ER just sent him home. What? You know, and I said, you get that boy back to the ER, have him do a KUB, have him do a, an X-ray, you know, a, a gastrointestinal X-ray, and sure enough, he was impacted. Now, why am I, uh, why am I saying these things from halfway across the room? Why doesn't the ER in their country, in their neighborhood, in their city know to do this? Well, they brought the boy to America to receive proper gastrointestinal assessment. Sure enough, when remediation was taken for that, the boy smiled. He laughed. He ran. He hugged his parents. Just shows the indomitable spirit of these children, having been in pain for all of those years. As soon as someone addressed the legitimate physiological roots of his pain, that boy was able to smile and shine and love and laugh. Right. What a tragedy that doctors are dismissing these children out of hand because of a diagnostic label called autism that's so often relegated to the realms of the psychological, the psychiatric, and the genetic. Well, and the the label, I think, is so hurtful, too, to so many of us because, you know, when you're talking about, you know, that he was biting and, you know, biting to the bone, that's one extreme example, but... You know, what about the kids that are toe-walking or flapping, and maybe they're toe-walking because they're constipated, and yet they're being told to walk flat, or they're flapping because, you know, something else biomedically, digestively, or whatever could be going on, and yet they're trying to take care of themselves. Yeah. And because we don't have the mainstream doctors that are specialists in knowing really what they're looking at, you know, oh, they're autistic, that's why they're doing that. And yet, you know, if we don't educate everybody around us to let them know, you know what, they might be walking on their toes because they're really constipated. They haven't had a bowel movement in six days. Yeah. That, that, there's something to that, you know. Yeah. My son would bolt up from the potty, the, the toilet, as soon as 
he was about to have that BM. He didn't want to have that BM sitting down, I imagine, because it was painful, you know, and standing up was less painful to have a BM. So, And you, you go to school meetings, IEPs, whatever, and then some school administrator says, oh, well, we find if we try to suppress one stim, another one just pops up. You really? know, so, like, why bother? Well, why? Ask the question, why? Why is it that if you try to suppress one stim, another stim, quote-unquote, them pops up it's because as Kristen said the children are try they're intelligent they're trying to take care of themselves from that discomfort of the constipation or whatever and i have a question for judy judy mm-hmm. for the parents out there whose children have that breakthrough diarrhea that loose stool does that mean the child's not impacted are they falsely thinking that their child's not really constipated yes you are correct i, I that's very common um, parents will come in and say, well, we just want to look at a few supplements. We don't want to change a diet. We don't want to do the full Monty, so to speak, because um, we don't really have any symptoms. And the child will be toe-walking or stimming or blah, blah, blah. And they're like, those are the symptoms. Um, they don't understand that if you see loose stool, that doesn't mean your child doesn't have impacted stool as well. And um, I, I ask a lot of questions about these kids' stools. I get pretty detailed because that is that is the barometer. That really is the clue to what is going on for digestion and absorption. And I, I think too, I want to mention some of the um, research that is emerging. And I'm sure you guys know about this. That shows how acids from microbes excreted in the gut can reach the brain and trigger what we call quote autism behaviors. And when those acids are not present in the brain, the behaviors vanish. And this has been really nicely demonstrated by, um, I think it's, is it Derek McFabe? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In Canada. It, very fascinating work. I don't know why this isn't required reading for every GI doc in the country. It should be. And same for, you know, that work a few years ago with treating kids with vancomycin, their autism features vanish, and then they regress when the vancomycin is removed. So, yeah, it's all about this gut. So much of it is about the gut. And thinking that, well, my kids' stools seem kind of okay isn't really enough. If your child has features of autism or or behaviors, quote-unquote, I I go right to that and look at everything that's going on for a child's digestion, absorption. Is there inflammation from foods, infections, what? I I need to know because that's my ticket to helping that child feel better and um, you're absolutely right, Terry. You, you've got it. Excellent, Judy. Thank you. And if anybody would like, uh, if there are any GI docs listening and you want a copy of Derek McFabe's studies, you can email me at tiaranga at autism1.org, tiaranga at autism1.org. Right before this next break, I'm going to read the fourth story that we're going to read today. And this is from Deborah Smith, and it says, Living overseas and trying to get a stool sample to the U.S. lab can be a challenge, more so when in good times our son has a poop every three days and in bad times ten or more days. Last summer was a bad time, and we were switching from 3-LAC due to casein and waiting for new probiotics and magnesium citrate to arrive from our new biomedical practitioners. Our son's gut just shut down, and he was in much pain and discomfort with much stimming. His energy was lowering fast. He was a sick boy. We were trying to get a rush appointment in at our biomed clinic and had to get the stool tests done ASAP to get them to FedEx by the latest 4.30 p.m. by the end of the week. 
All week we waited for action, knowing that our window of opportunity to get the test done in time was narrowing. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, no poop. Friday was our last chance before the weekend. All week long I had used castor oil where it it counts, giving massages, prune juice, and nothing doing. As I saw the days passing, I got desperate. I looked up acupuncture pressure points for constipation, reflexology points for constipation. I prayed a million prayers. Now it was Friday, our last chance. The morning passed with no poop no matter what I did. And then 1 o'clock passed, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, and I'm touching pressure points, massaging, giving water to drink, etc. I was about to give up. And at 4 o'clock, my son said, I need to use the toilet. Off we ran, test kit in hand, positioned the container, captured what we needed. It was 10 minutes past 4 now. I had read the test instructions so many times. I knew what to do, and for anyone who has had to prep a stool test kit, you know the deal. Gloves, little vials, little scoop stick, etc. I got it all done and rushed out the door to make the 20-minute drive to FedEx in 15 minutes with the most precious poop ever beside me. By the grace of God, I arrived in time to meet my husband and run to the FedEx counter. We handed the test kit with the sample across, filled out all the necessary forms, and off it went. As I sat in the car, thinking what this week had been, an interesting thought came to mind. Did I wash my hands? (laughs) Most people spend five minutes focusing on poop, 15 minutes at the most, but spending every waking minute of a week or more thinking about how to get the poop, the whole poop, and nothing but the poop out is a reality only we ASD parents know. We'll be right back. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. The Autism Hope Alliance is dedicated to the recovery of children and adults from autism. The goal of this nonprofit organization is to ignite hope for families facing the diagnosis through education and funding to promote progress today. Diet modification, biomedical intervention, and educational therapy have been shown to be successful tools on the path to recovery. Through these efforts, we believe hope will replace hopelessness. Recovery for our children is a reality. For more information, go to AutismHopeAlliance.org. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. 
If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866 472 5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Judy Converse and Kristen Selby Gonzalez, and we read a story before the break, and I wanted to follow up by asking Judy about lab tests like Debbie was describing. Right. Yeah, um, so how do you assess all this? And, and the autism community uses uh, stool microbiology a lot to try to see what the microbes are in the human gut. I mean, we, we walk around as adults with about three pounds of bacteria that we actually need to survive and live and, and have our immune systems function normally. So looking at that can be very helpful. So when kids go to their mainstream children's hospital, they'll screen for the incredibly bad news like Giardia or a, a parasite or Salmonella. But if you go to a biomed doctor or a more functional medicine doctor, they're going to use a different stool test that looks more more detail. It's got more sensitivity and more specificity. It'll look for the kind of microflora that's healthy bacteria that you want. It will actually culture that and see what's up with that. They'll look for strains of yeast, which your GI doctor on the mainstream side will say it's normal to have yeast. Yeah, it's normal to have yeast in a human gut, but what seems to have happened for a lot of kids with autism is that they have way too much of it or they can't uh, tolerate even small amounts which is a little bit more like people with AIDS than typical people. Um, so that usually needs treatment. Um, then these uh, functional medicine panels will also look for what they call commensal bacteria, or stuff that isn't going to knock you dead or cause a fever, but is very disruptive in terms of the acids and things that it's excreting. It might change the pH of your gut. It might disrupt absorption of nutrients like you would need. So that's a helpful test. The, the pitfall of that test is it can't capture everything. It never does. There's some false uh, negatives on those tests. Sometimes yeast will be very present in a kid in other sites besides the gut, and you won't see that with a stool culture. I've, I've had a number of kids in my caseload who have really persistent bedwetting, and these are not necessarily spectrum kids. They might be pretty typical kids um, or severe ADD kids. And what I usually find is they have fulminant yeast infection, but it's not in the gut. And we have to, in that case, double-check with a urine organic acid test that screens for these microbial acids. It's called a microbial oat for short. And that's a pretty good way to get a snapshot of, it's kind of like looking for the smoking gun. It's looking for chemicals, if you will, that only these microbes would excrete. And if they're coming out in the child's urine, then you know that somewhere in the body there's an infection or an overgrowth of a microbe that is disruptive and it's excreting acids that can disrupt behavior or create some of these signs and symptoms that we've talked about that we, we associate 
with autism as behavior. So those two tests can work pretty well. Um, if all else fails, I rely a lot on a checklist of signs and symptoms. I, I actually talk lots about the, all this stuff in that book, Special Needs Kids Eat Right, right down to how, you, how do you get a poop sample in the kit. I mean, let's say you have a, an older child who's very anxious and does not need to know that you're collecting a sample. There's a way to do that without them even knowing. <laughs> so I talk about that. But, you know, for better or worse, these tests are, are part and parcel of life for, for kids on the spectrum and their families. They, they can be very helpful. Yeah, I found my son's bowel hab- habits were directly inverse to whenever we needed to get a stool kit. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Judy, what do you think, uh, what do you find to be the role of prebiotics, probiotics, and digestive enzymes in gastrointestinal health? Yeah, this stuff is so helpful, and it it really comes down to, there's so many choices, and it comes down to a couple things. What does the child need, and you can base some of that on their stool culture, their urine oats, and on their history. Um, I'm very interested, especially from birth, what was going on, because that's when the gut is first colonized, and that's when you need it to be set up properly. And, of course, for most of these kids, it never is. So I'm very keen on what did they tolerate as newborns for food and all kinds of things. Um, so that's really important. And um, tell me again the rest of your question, Terry. <laughs> I asked about prebiotics, probiotics, and digestive yeah. enzymes. Okay. Thank you. Yes, prebiotics are, are really important. Those are food. Basically, that's food for the beneficial microbes. And it's a little tricky in kids who have challenges with carbohydrate digestion. Some of them don't manage those very well. So it, it just depends on the child. They can work great for some kids. It's best to skip them for others. And enzymes can be great also. They can really help a lot. And I'm sure Kristen can talk about this too. And that one's a little trickier just in terms of compliance because you want to use them at the right times of day. And it's, it's always a, a lot for families to juggle all the changes in diets and some of the supplements they're using and enzymes. So I'll, I work those in at any opportunity when I'm confident there's going to be good compliance because it w- won't work that great if it's intermittent. All right. And Kristen, do you have any comments on that? Yeah, the one thing that we see is that, you know, really putting together a really good diet, and there are so many different ones, as Judy was saying, and trying to figure out what works best for that child. But then also we see is really trying to get a good digestive enzyme um, in there because you have to be able to break up that food even if it is the most, you know, cleanest diet or perfect diet for that child. We need to make sure it's broken up. And we we recommend that we can just give it to the child first bite of food or even if they forget because we'd rather have something in their helping than nothing. And some people think that you can just either take an enzyme or you can just do a diet. And I, I really see together um, doing both of those. And then on top of the probiotics, I think that's huge. We need to get those good guys um, in there, in that gut, and really helping, you know, colonize. So that, that would be my, my recommendation. All right. Well, ladies, for Judy, who's currently on the East Coast, Bon Appetit for lunch, and for Kristen, who's currently on the West Coast, Bon Appetit for breakfast, thank you both for being with us this week. Thank you, Terry. My guest next week is Beth Lambert, author of the upcoming book, A Compromised Generation, The Epidemic of Chronic Illness in America's Children. Remember, for delicious gluten-free, casein-free, soy-free food that tastes as good as it looks, 
visit New Life Foods at www.newlifefoods.com. Skyhorse Publishing is still running their special offer for Voice America listeners. Buy the Autism Cookbook by Susan Delane and receive a digital copy of Cutting Edge Therapies for Autism and a bunch of other goodies for free. First, purchase the Autism Cookbook on Amazon.com. And then to receive your free bonuses, post your proof of purchase at www.truthofautism.com forward slash BOGO, B-O-G-O. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica, providers of digestive enzymes that complement your therapeutic diet. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Enzymedica would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit AutismOne.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga.